the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here today. I am here doing the broadcast live so if you'd like to call in like i said numbers 216-901-0945 um there's a uh, whole lot to talk about this week it's kind of crazy by the way if you have a question um that you'd like to ask but you don't want to ask it on the radio that's fine you can go to my website it's bullingtoncapital.com and you can send a question in there uh, or you can call us in the office and the phone number is on the website. It's 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. And uh, I'll be try- glad to try to help you any way I can. Uh, and uh, wow, just uh, I, there's so many things going on, I'm, I'm not even sure where to begin. And I think the, uh, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought there. Something popped up on my screen. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's just unbelievable, the stuff that's going on worldwide. And uh, what's really interesting is most people, I think, really expected the stock market to tank, and instead it had one of its best days in a very long time. Now think about that. I mean, just stop and think about that. And the reason I'm having you think about it is because the vast majority of people don't think about it. They just they ignore that. You know, they let their emotions override their sensibility. If the market moved like you thought it would, it would have been down big time, not up. It was up 2%. That's a, that's a really good day for the stock market. It was up 2%. And actually, it's higher than it was three or four weeks ago. So I guess my point here is trying to predict short-term moves in markets is an unbelievably large waste of your time. 
nobody ever gets that. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on. And so what you're, um, what you really should be doing is you should be looking at your portfolio maybe once every six months to a year. Because if you've done the homework up front, you really shouldn't have to watch it that closely. You really shouldn't. And I can remember a day when you had to watch them very closely because we didn't have the same tools that we have today. And But those days are gone. Those days are gone about 10, 15 years ago. So it's not, it wasn't an overnight thing either. It, it was a slower transitioning process. And today, if you can think of a philosophy, an investment philosophy that actually has merit, I promise you there's a fund out there that's doing it. And what you'd really like to do is try to find those from large, medium, small cap stocks, the United States mostly. Uh, international emerging markets are fine, although the you look at the Russell 1000, those are the top 1,000 stocks in the country by size. It's basically S&P 500 plus the next 500. So it's a little bit more diversified. And about 50% of the revenue from the companies that are in there are coming from all over the world. So you're getting, what's the benefit of that? Well, you're getting, you're, you're going to benefit from other worldwide economies, but you're not going to have to invest directly in their stocks. So you reduce the risk by reducing currency rate risk. If there's an exchange rate, they, you can make money on paper, but then give it back because the exchange rate moves against you. That's lovely. Yeah. So, with, with the Russell indexes, I think you, you can get really good diversification, and that's what you should be doing. If you like certain things, like there are some dividend-based models in there. Actually, there are about a dozen of them that I really like. And that, that's probably the hardest part, is that there are a lot of them that are very good. And some of them have some very subtle differences. Those you can kind of, you know, one way or another, uh, if you like it, a lot, just include it. If not, that's okay. You're probably not going to miss much because they're going to be so similar to the others. And that, that's kind of a big deal. In in this environment, you know, it, you just, you got to keep cool. It's uh, ultimately, everything that's going on right now is, is actually going to have a positive long-term result. And in the short run, it's brutal. It's scary. In the long run, we heal, get better, and we come out of it ahead. It's just, it's the way it works. I, you know, I, I kind of wish it didn't work that way, but that it's not the hand we're dealt, not in this lifetime. In in this lifetime, pain ha- happens to precede progress in a lot of cases, in a tremendous amount of cases, and uh, it's just the uh, just one of those things. Am I happy about it? No, absolutely not. Am I going to let it drive me crazy? Nope. Do I know what I need to do about it? Yep. Same thing I've always needed to do about it. I need to know what my risk tolerance is before I invest and then build my portfolio around that. And it's one of the reasons I have a job. It's, it, it's actually, it sounds super simple when you say it that way, but how do you address, how, how do you figure out how much risk you're taking? How do you know how much risk you're taking? How do you know if the funds that you're holding aren't holding the same stocks? I've seen that a million times. People come in, hey, I'm look how diversified I am. I've got 15 funds. You look, we do this thing called an X-ray. 
it'll download all the funds and show the overlap in the funds. And it's like, yeah, well, all your funds are holding the same stocks. <laughs> so you're actually complicating your life by having 13 different 1099s when one would do. <laughs> and uh, so... But, you know, they they don't teach. They don't even teach this in business school or the college for financial planning. They don't teach that. It's not even taught in the CFA program. It blows my mind. You know how much money people spend on that stuff? I do. <laughs> I've looked at all those courses. And I'm like, wait a minute. You, you guys, you're, you're missing. These are pretty big points, you know, that uh, just oblivious. So anyway, at some point in time, they'll probably get around to it. That, that's kind of what's happened throughout my career. Uh, I'll talk about, I'll point something out like that that's really, really wrong. <laughs> and eventually they get around to fixing it. So I, I wish they'd have fixed this one a long time ago. But the uh, bottom line is they don't. Yeah. And I think that's, that, that's just amazing. I know why. There, there's so much material that they have to go through that they have to pick and choose and it's just not given that high of a priority. That's that's all there is to it. But uh, it's kind of unfortunate because I think it's, it's kind of important. But at, at any rate, the, uh, you've got more tools today. And what I really like about having access to these tools is that I know very quickly uh, what the funds are doing. There's only a like typically the, the description that you need to take a look at. And you know what? I actually, I'll bring one of those in next week. I'll bring one of those in on the next show that I do. So it basically tells you how the money's going to be invested. And then I like to pull up the stocks that are inside that fund just to make sure. I mean, it's 999 times out of a thousand. Uh, it's going to be running exactly like it says in the prospectus. And then there's that, you know, oddball out there occasionally, but that, that's not very common. And uh, there's an easy way to make sure that your fund's doing what they said it's doing uh, if you've got the right tools and it doesn't take all that long. So I spent a lot of time uh, looking at that kind of stuff. And it, it's fascinating to me. I mean, just fascinating that one or two things like, let's say profitability, that, that makes a big difference in the long-term returns on your funds. The more highly profitable stocks are, the better they tend to do. That you know, shouldn't be a surprise. But they also tend to be a little smoother. So it's not a lot because all stocks are really volatile, even the good ones. Extremely volatile. But in the long run, those types of funds have had a tendency to show slightly less fluctuation. So it means slightly less risk. And slightly earlier recovery times. Now, you can't, re you can't promise on any of that stuff. That's just way it's happened over the uh, past 20 years. So if the next 20 are similar to the last 20, then that probably should happen again. But it just makes sense to me. And it actually, the, the, the reason that I really like it is because it makes sense. The more profitable companies should be going up faster. <laughs> the more profitable companies with lower leverage should be going up faster. The faster that the business is growing should make it the stock price go up faster. So all those kind of things can be factored in. And I know I'm talking about a lot, a lot about stocks today because the next segment of the, um, this show, I'll talk about fixed income. And uh, today, I mean, you've got a couple of options that I think are, uh, one of them is really good. I, I really like it. Uh, the traditional fixed income methodologies are, are probably going to be losing money over the next, oh, 
five or ten years. So you might even when what's really a bummer is that a lot of those funds they're paying interest and you have to pay taxes on that dividend while the share price is going down more than the interest that you're getting. Lovely. So you've got these you've got these losses that you probably haven't taken uh, on paper or they're still on paper because you haven't taken them and you're having to pay taxes on the income that you're getting. And when you add it back all together, it's super negative because you just have to take the taxes out of it. So there are some, uh, there aren't really that many options on a, tr- in the traditional market where you can buy good quality bonds or bond funds. The, uh, the vast majority of them are overpriced with inflation rearing its ugly head. Um, it's a, uh, sooner or later, interest rates are probably going to go up. I've been saying they're probably not going to go up for a very long time, but you know what? Uh, that interest rates have, are the inflation rate has changed. And I think the Fed probably understands the risk. I know they do, uh, of letting inflation go unchecked. So now I'm going to tell you that it cost toss a quarter. If uh, interest rates could go up, and if they do go up, you know, then bond prices are going to drop even further. Yeah, looking at an index. Let's see. I can't remember. Um, I'll have to look this up. There's an index. Vanguard's got a total bond market ETF. You can take a look at that. If you look, go back to 2021 when it peaked out, it was 89 bucks. It's 81 dollars today. Those are bonds. So that's that's about a little over nine percent. So you're down nine percent in the last three years. Very exciting, isn't it? You're you're down nine percent over a three year time period. So it's like a slow bleed. Although you did get the dividends, which right now are right around. I don't know where they are. Actually, I have to double check that. But you've had to pay taxes on those, and the chances of you getting a dividend that has made back the money that you've lost are pretty much zero. <laughs> so you've gotten losses, and you've had to pay taxes on income. At the same time, that's a bummer. <laughs> and uh, to avoid that, you've got you have a couple choices. You know, you've got a couple choices. You can, uh, and again, I, and I'm going to stop talking about that because that that's actually the middle segment of each show. So, and back to stocks. Stocks are just it, it's mind-boggling that a lot of stocks haven't uh, uh, really moved that much. And actually, if you look at where the stocks are, because of Friday. They actually made back the losses that had been in, incurred in the in the week before that, which is pretty wild. Now they're selling at prices. The uh, and this is by the way, this is the Russell two thousand uh, value index. That's small cap value oriented companies. Um, I like to use indexes. By the way, uh, it's there. There are hundreds of them, um, and there are actually hundreds of index funds out there. But uh, there's some general funds. That, kind of give you a, a, a little bit better of an idea of what the actual market's doing instead of looking at the S&P 500. The S&P 500 has 50% of the assets in the top 50 stocks. That That's not a really good level of diversification as far as I'm concerned. You got over half your money out of 500 stocks in the top 50. That means the other 450 are not receiving a whole lot of money. Those are the most liquid stocks, by the way. They're the biggest companies. That doesn't mean they're the most undervalued or the best. They're the biggest. There's a difference between big and better. The uh, um, better would be 
big growth rates. And a lot of them are good. I mean, absolutely. That's why they're the biggest because they've grown for years and years and years. And now they're in the top 50 out of all, you know, almost the entire stock market universe. And you don't get to be that good or that, I'm sorry, get that big by, by being poor, by being bad, by not making money, by not growing your sales. So that's the, uh, in the long run, I guess it, it has a tendency to work out pretty good. I think if you're really looking for um, better diversification, though, though there it, it's a lot easier to do that today. It's a lot easier. And again, something I started talking about uh, a little bit earlier in today's show, when you're investing in an exchange-traded fund, there are a couple things that you're going to get there. First of all, you're going to get a tax break. The taxes on those are not, you don't have to realize the tax, the gains until you sell it. You get a normal mutual fund, and the mutual fund will pay capital gains and dividends, uh, and the capital gains sometimes come because they've had to sell stocks that they've had uh, for a long time to meet the redemption. Uh, all the people that are saying, hey, I want, you know, I want to go back to cash, I want to go back to cash. So you may end up paying taxes on profits that you never saw, and that happens a lot in a traditional mutual fund. That's one of the uh, reasons that exchange-traded funds have gotten to be so much more popular the, or have taken away a ton of market share because you don't have that unexpected capital gain that you're going to have to pay taxes on when your portfolio is actually down. Talk about adding insult to injury. <laughs> Holy cow. And if you had, that was, uh, oh, you know, I used to work at this big firm, had the number one stock uh, fund in it. It, it, was, it, had, it had been number one for, uh, I don't know, a long time. And I would still, I'd get people calling in complaining about 1987 when they had invested in it. And it was down, I don't know, about uh, 15, 20% or so at the end of the year because they had waited to buy it until just almost before it peaked. And as soon as they got in it, it dropped like a rock. And it was it still had not recovered. It was still down fairly significantly, but they got a huge capital gain, gain that they had to pay taxes on. Uh, talk about adding insult to injury. Anyway, when we come back, we'll talk about how you can avoid that and some other tax-saving ideas. Listen to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. I'll be right back. Hey, this is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. I'm not always live in the studio anymore. I have a, another office, another place working from. I have to kind of split my time up a little bit. But you're welcome to call me anytime, uh, 330-664-0700. We try to get back to everybody at least within 24 hours, minimally. And let's see, if you'd like to call in today, it's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. And I was looking at some of the uh, stuff that's been going on, and it, it is, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, the market really is, has not done nearly as poorly as I imagined it would. And it's one of the reasons that I stopped paying attention to my own feelings. 
Uh, it's, a, uh, uh, it's interesting. In the long run, the bottom line is this is actually going to force us to do a lot of things that we probably should have been doing anyway. You know, going to cleaner sources of, of energy. Um, and I'll tell you, that uh, big mistake on Russia's part as far as I'm concerned. And it's just going to speed up the process of what was happening in that country to begin with. So, but I don't really want to talk about uh, any of that stuff, like politics or not, or, or whatnot. But if you really want to get a good grip on what's going on in the energy field, energy market, there's a website. It's the U.S. Energy Information Administration, and the website is www.eia.gov. So, Energy Information Administration. Dot gov. It's just the uh, acronym EIA.gov. And there are tons of tools in there and topics. And, and I'll tell you, it's, it's pretty nice. I mean, they're not going to forecast the future for you. Uh, they're just showing you a lot of trends that are uh, going on right now. And that's kind of, uh, that's, it's really nice. It's a very, very good uh, source of information. I do have a phone call right now. I got to take and I'm going to Matt. Matt. You're on the, hey, Bill. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. I just got in the car, and I heard you kind of say you didn't want to talk about politics, and I know if you did talk a little bit, but I you know, I kind of wanted to get your opinion on the, you know, the ripple effect of what's going on, and I know that they were saying that what's going on right now with Ukraine and Russia is going to affect our interest rates. Like, they were talking about raising interest rates. Now they're debating about keeping them down, so... I know I've heard people say this is going to be the year for dividend stocks. So I just ask your opinion on that. Yeah, so um, here's what I try to do. Uh, I know that I've got every category covered. I have large cap, mid cap, small cap, international emerging growth, um, both value and growth styles. And uh, so I've got every base covered, basically, which bothers a lot of people when the S&P 500 is ahead. Um, because it will be ahead for large periods of time. But uh, you make it back up in times like these. A lot of the, the that gap starts to get closed a little bit occasionally, eventually. And uh, so I don't really worry too much about any of that. I, I've, I've done all the worrying when I put the plan together. <laughs> right. And I've been through it. I mean, I've been in the market. Uh, oh, geez. I can't even remember now. It's uh, <laughs> that's how old I am. Yeah, probably thirty four, thirty five, and um, you know it, it. It really hasn't changed all that much. <laughs> it still doesn't make sense. Like stocks will. I would remember. Oh, what was it? Um, Cracker Barrel. They drove me nuts. That company's it went sideways. This huge trading range for ten years. 10 years and it was growing 20% a year that entire time period. Nobody up here knew what that was. I only knew about it because I'm from the South. And uh, when they made their way up to uh, all across the country and had undergrown all this growth, nobody was paying attention to that stock. And then in about an 18 month time period, it just shot up and then got overvalued. <laughs> right. So it, it caught up to all that long-term growth and then got over. And that's just one example. I could give you a, probably about a thousand of companies that did the same thing, sort of thing 
where the, the company uh, everybody hated it, thought it was going away, and it you know dropped you know like a rock, you know going up bankruptcy into bankruptcy, and then all of a sudden it came back. In fact, one of those uh, um, man, I, it was so funny. I I bought some out of the money calls on it, and uh, there were leaps. They gave me uh, like twelve months. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I ended up having to sell them because I had to pay off of a, a condominium that I was doing some business in, uh, and that. I sold them at a huge profit. As that's probably the well, the second largest profit I'd ever had in uh, this company. Wow. Yeah, and it was a uh, it was a relatively short time period, and, and everybody hated that stock. I mean, they hated that stock. It came up on one of my momentum scans. I looked at the uh, the rate of growth. Uh, by the way, it was corning, and um, they were making Gorilla Glass, and they couldn't keep up with the demand. This is a while ago, and uh, because Apple was you know the, the big invent co inventor and user. Of, of that product for such a long time period. And I couldn't believe, you know, the average stock today sells for about three and a half times their annual revenues uh, in the S&P 500. That one was selling for 0.15. <laughs> now, wow. there's a big difference between three and 0.15. <laughs> so when, wow. I, when I saw the 0.15 and I'm thinking, well, the Gorilla Glass alone is worth three times that amount. Uh, that stock, you know, it, it was just one of those things. So knowing that kind of stuff is is very helpful. Uh, knowing when a stock comes up on a on a scan and its price to sales ratio is really really low. Here's one I I like a lot. This is on today. Cigna, health insurance. Cigna yeah. selling the same price it was back in 2017, and. You know what? I, I I would bet dollars to donuts they're probably doing more business today than they were in 2017. In fact, I can kind of look that up really quickly. And uh, and it's health insurance, so unless people get you know quit getting sick, they're probably not going anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the uh, let's see, market cap 75 billion dollars. How much was that up or down? Not it's not saying there. Five year revenue growth. Five year revenue. Yeah, quarterly revenue growth year over year is eight percent. Eight percent is pretty good, especially for a company who has tens of billions of dollars in sales. You know how difficult that is <laughs> when you're doing billions of dollars in sales and you can raise your sales by eight to ten percent or so. That's huge. So why is the price the same price it was back in 2017? Right. Because it's a stock. <laughs> right. So, well, uh, I, guess, I guess on another uh, matter then, I guess, what you know, and I know that you don't talk a whole lot about um, commodities and stuff like that. But, you know, they talk about Ukraine being one of the biggest exporters of grain in the world. And, um, it, you know, how, how this is going to affect what's going on in regard to that. Um, yeah, there actually... You won't really know. Um, there were the last time we had hyperinflation. Okay, it was in the 1970s. Right, and 1970s. There's this thing you could have done. It's called Donkey and Channels. I actually use it on stocks on my trading account. Well, I'm sorry, what is that called again? It's called Donkey and Channels. Uh, it's, okay, it's spelled D O N C I C H I A N. Donkey Richard Donkey was a uh, uh, economist, and he was a code breaker in World War II. And he had this really super simple method of buying and selling. He was buying stocks and commodities. And uh, he, uh, uh, well, so anyway, anyway, it's it's just a simple, effective 
methodology, it's going to drive most people a little crazy because most stocks or commodities don't make big moves over short time periods. But when they right. do, um, you'll know when to buy it and when to sell it. And yeah. um, just using a, that really simple model that he used. So back in those days, you could have gotten rich doing that with commodities. And there was a group of traders called the Turtles. If you Google them, you'll find them. Uh, they were trained by this one guy who was using the same methodology. He wanted to see if it was just skill or luck. If 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 it was skill, you could teach it. If it was luck, you couldn't. And so they took out these ads and they trained these guys to, to follow this relatively simple methodology. And what they found was that the ones that actually stuck to it, they made an enormous amount of money because back in those days with high inflation, you get you typically get pretty big moves in a lot of commodities. Okay. So, and uh, that. Well, and that's, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, we're kind of going to another era of that of high inflation and right. rising prices. So yeah, I think you might be right. In fact, yeah, I'm, and uh, by the way, All right, well, for for a long time ahead, that Bill. for a long time that stopped working because you weren't getting those big moves. Inflation was muted, and you weren't getting the big moves like you were in the uh, 1970s. So people got really really rich. A lot of them just quit and uh, went on to do other things. A lot of them just went into other businesses. Um, there's a couple of big funds around that were started by some of those guys that were part of that group that uh, are private equity guys now. They've been that way for quite a while because the opportunities weren't quite as good in in the old, you know, just the trading aspect. But Right. You know. Well, thank you for your time this morning, Bill. Oh, thanks for calling. That was a great call. I appreciate yep. it. Yep. Yep. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. So, yeah, the uh, bunch of uh, old, almost useless knowledge. <laughs> no, actually, it uh, it does help. And I still do a little bit of that. You know, the Donkey and Channel thing, it works on stocks, works very well. I can't wait until we can have another seminar so we can I can kind of show it to you. All the tools that we use, I, it's mind-boggling how much those have improved, you know, from when I first started in this industry. A lot of them, most of them didn't exist, actually. And here's another thing that didn't exist. There was a, uh, uh, they call them fixed indexed annuities. And so when you're looking at fixed income, if you're looking at bonds, like government bonds, if you're looking at short-term CDs, the rates are still incredibly low. And when they start raising interest rates, the bond prices have a tendency to drop. If you're holding a bond and it's paying $10 a year, on your thousand bucks in interest and all of a sudden somebody can get $20 a year. Why would they pay you a thousand dollars for your bond when they can go out and just get a new one that's paying twice as much? That's the simplest form or simplest explanation I can give you as to why bond prices go down when interest rates go up. Cause if you're getting 1% on a thousand bucks, it's $10. If somebody's getting 2%, they're getting 20 bucks. Why do they want to buy yours? <laughs> you'll have to drop your price if you want to sell that. And and by the way, you won't have to. The market will do that for you. It'll, the prices will be dropping. <laughs> and you've got a choice. You can either hang on to it until it matures, and uh, or you can just take the loss and, and invest at the higher interest rate and hope that you get it back at some point in time. Or let's say you're looking at a big portion of your portfolios, um, maybe 20, 25%, maybe even 30 or 40%. Depends on your age, actually. 
uh, how it actually depends on a lot of things. There, there are these suitability forms that you have to go through to be able to invest in these things. And they're long, <laughs> they're like 40 pages. Yeah. They really want to get to know you. Uh, and I, I get it. It's, it's a good thing. You, you shouldn't be putting people in these things unless they uh, have gone through this, unless it's suitable for them. So anyway, I mean, I'm obligated to do that because I'm a fiduciary. So anyway, um, this is one, if somebody's coming up to full social security age, which is 67 and they want to have a certain amount of income. So let's say they put a hundred thousand on you and get to put a hundred thousand in this particular product, a, um, uh, a year before you start to take income out. So you can take income out after the first year. So put a hundred thousand bucks in there next year, uh, when you're 67, you're going to get $5,956 in income off of that. If you elect to take it, if you elect to take it, that's what you're going to get. Now the money's actually invested. You have several choices on how to make the investment. I'm not going to spend a lot of time going through those because they're, I'll do that next week. Um, it's a lot to take in at once, but if you wanted to take the income, that's 5,956 bucks on a hundred thousand dollars. Now, if you put a hundred thousand dollars in a 1% CD, okay. In 1% of, um, hundred thousand bucks is a thousand dollars. Okay. So I don't know, 5,956 or a thousand bucks. Now that that's not a fair comparison. I will tell you that right now because the CD is liquid. You can cash it in and run. This one, you're going to want to stick with it because if you pulled money out, you'd have to pay a penalty to, to get your money out. And it depends on the actual, the, the penalties, by the way, they change, the contracts change over time. The, the products change. They'll, uh, insurance companies will sell a certain amount of a product and then they will stop selling it and change the rules and start with the new one. Uh, they do it a lot. I understand why. It's beyond the, um, this, this shows explanation, but just know that these can change and over time they will change. And there is a website that you can go to for this one. My, this is my favorite one and uh, it's done by nationwide. And, um, um, this is not a recommendation for this. This is just, Hey, here's some information out there. If you want to go see what it might be, what you might be able to do, then, uh, you can hit me up, send me an email. I'll email you the link. You can log on there. You know, you don't have to log on. You don't even have to set up an account. You can just put in information in there like I'm doing. That's basically what I did. Uh, so I put 100000 bucks in there. Somebody's going to be 67 next year. This would pay $5,956. Okay? And that is for as long as you live, even if the money runs out. Okay? Even if the investments do so poorly that they end up, the insurance company ends up spending all the money paying you back, they'll keep paying that until you pass away. So that's that's kind of good. And I think in today's interest rate environment where you've got interest rates that are very low and there's a good chance they're they're going higher. By the way, the bond market hasn't waited for that. The bond market's been going down for months now because they're anticipating higher interest rates. So uh, and I think you can probably look for more of that going forward. And this is a really good option to be able to have. I hear the music. That means I have to take a quick commercial break. You listen to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned because I will be right back. To anyone walking down a hard road Worn out with blisters on your feet
into your presence. We remember every blessing that you And we're back. Hey, this is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Uh, if you hear something that you'd like more information on, feel free to give me a call. Go to my website, Bullington Capital, and reach out. We'll reach right back to you. Um, we did move our offices, by the way, just across the street. And in fact, after the radio show today, I'm going to go unpack some of my uh, stuff that I uh, still have left to unpack. And by Monday, we are good to go. And uh, really fun moving. If you believe that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> moving is rough. Not not as rough as it used to be. I, I You know, it's amazing how many things now we can do. Uh, like, I look at my laptop and, geez, this thing is probably... 15 to 20 times more powerful than the laptop I had 10 years ago. Uh, so that, that's mind-boggling. Anyway, so we were talking a little bit, uh, first of all, about, about the economy. Um, I wouldn't, I, I know it's really hard not to worry, but I would, I would try not to worry as much as you can. Ultimately, this is going to get settled. Ultimately, it, this is pushing things along. Uh, the economic development that, that's coming as a result of what's been going on over the past few days is going to be big. I mean, it's going to accelerate a lot of the change that was coming anyway. And, and it's not going back. And in the long run, I, man, I got to believe this is really going to hurt the uh, Russian economy uh, for, for a while because the repercussions on this, we'll, we'll talk about that on next week's show because I just don't have that much time left today. But I really think that there will be repercussions that come back that were unintended. Uh, I don't know if you remember Isaac Newton. Every action has an opposite and equal reaction. And uh, it's coming. So in the meantime, I would just hang tight. When I'm looking around, what's, what's blowing my mind, I'm going through those stock screens. And the companies that are coming up on the lists are basically the ones that had not really participated that much in the last couple of years. They're more value oriented, and uh, you've probably heard, you know, value has underperformed growth, and it started to come back. Well, yeah, it, it's still happening, and a lot of the companies that are coming out there, when you've got a a price to sales ratio, that's different than a price to earnings ratio. Um, next week, I'll I'll go into a little bit more detail, but it's a really good way of of looking at what the potential gains or the potential risk is in a stock. The higher the price-to-sales ratio, the riskier it is. So that's the average for the S&P 500 is about three. You know, when you see one that's nine or ten, you probably want to start scratching your head a little bit and looking for the risk that's in there. Uh, if you see one that's twenty or thirty, just pat, skip that one. You know, it's, it's not worth the kind of risk that you might take. So when you're looking at companies like the one I'm looking at right now, then. Normally, the price to sales ratio, by the way, will be lower if the profit margins are lower. If a company has a hard time making a profit, it's not going to be selling for a large multiple of its annual revenues. And uh, again, I'll keep talking about this going on in the future because this is really important. One of the, uh, well, not one, a lot of the funds that I use use this kind of stuff in how they select their stocks. And in the long run, it has a tendency to make a big difference. If you're buying good quality companies, companies, in other words, that are profitable and have fairly decent profit margins, and you're not overpaying for them, if you give it enough time, it has a tendency to work out very well. 
in the short run, anything can happen and probably will. Um, that's what I'm always, I've always been saying that anything can happen and probably will. When you think about what happened this week and the market's response to that, how many of you thought that the market would go up over 2% on Friday, right, right after they started attacking? So now, is, does that mean it's going to keep going? Nope, it does not. All it does is means that it was surprising on many fronts. Unless you're like I am and you've learned not to, to generate a strong opinion about the future, you want to keep paying attention to what's going on right now. Uh, it's one of the reasons I, I really like the exchange-traded funds. Not only are they paying attention to what's going on right now, they're making changes. They're, they're literally changing the portfolio. And I'm so glad that most people don't take the time to go look at all the holdings in the ETFs because there are thousands of them, actually. But the um, some people like to do that. And I'm telling you, that exercise will make you crazy. When you see how far these stocks all fluctuate and you'll know that they're in there, you won't realize that you know, they're only in there for like two-tenths of a percent of your portfolio value. People forget that. They, they have a tendency to look at, oh, my gosh, I've got this much money. In it. Or I've got, no, I have this stock. They don't even put it in um, perspective of, and, and they probably shouldn't. I wouldn't have known to do that if I weren't in, in the industry for a long time. But uh, they don't put it into perspective of how much is invested in that stock relative to the entire portfolio. And it, it's just a, it's a good way to go. There are tax benefits, too. We talked about that a little bit earlier. But there are tax benefits to uh, that annuity. By the way, if you don't want it, if you didn't want to take the income off there, and uh, it started off at fifty nine fifty six, at a hundred thousand bucks, that's how much a sixty seven year old who's sixty six today, next year when he's eligible to get the income, it's fifty nine hundred fifty six dollars. If you don't want to take it, then don't. The the year after that, the guaranteed income level is sixty four sixty one. That's pretty good. If you didn't want to take it again, then it goes to sixty nine eighty, almost seven thousand dollars. The year after that, it goes to seven thousand four hundred ninety eight bucks. So, the longer that you don't have to take it, the more it goes up. And these are just the these are the guaranteed rates. Um, if the investments happen to perform better than that, I I have a hard time believing that they will. But if they did, then you'd actually have more income than that. So these are the uh, uh, basically the guaranteed portions of the income. So again, if you want more information on that, if you want me to send you a link so that you can go in and play around on the internet with that on your own, uh, just hit me up with an email. No problem. I'll send that information right back out to you. And uh, just going back to the stocks for a minute. Uh, now, I don't know if many of you remember you know, long-term trading. That's a, uh, I was struggling there for a minute. It's donkey and channels. The same thing I was talking to the, the guy that called in a little earlier today about. Yeah, it's an old methodology. Very good. Uh, basically tells you when to buy, when to sell. Uh, I run scans on this on a daily basis and just to see which kinds of stocks are moving right now because if they're not going up really fast, they don't show up on the scan. If they're not making a new 30-day high, they don't show up. Uh, if it's a 30-day high two days in a row, I typically don't look at them because it might be extended. Um, and uh, bottom line is I've got this set of rules, same rules this guy was using. And, and by the way, he started managing a fund when he was 65. 
was 65 years old, and then he, he decides to start managing a fund and did it until he was 85 and had very good results. And, um, you know, it's pretty simple. That's, it's one of the things I really like about finance. You can make it as simple as you want to. You don't want to leave out anything that's important, and that's kind of key. Or you can make it as complicated as you want to. And I'm not, that's not my personality. My personality is to take a look at the situation, figure out what's the most efficient way to get this done. What is your objective? What do you want to get done? And what's the most efficient way to get that done? And generally that's worked pretty well. And in most cases, it's probably going to work pretty well. Just like these stocks. Why am I saying you might want to be looking at old economy stocks? Well, because when I ran that scan, Almost every stock in there is an old economy stock. And, you know, we got, uh, let's see here. Um, Spartan Nash, food distribution company. That's the first one on the list. The price to sales ratio is 0.09. Okay, 0.09. What did I say the S&P's average was? Three, right? 0.09. So when something is, is supposed to be 30 bucks, instead it's only 90 cents. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> Is that enough of a potential? And by the way, this one, these companies, a food distribution company doesn't have huge profit margins historically. So a, a full, fully valued one would probably be 0.5 to one. And which is still, you know, five or six times, you know, five to 10 times what it's selling for now. And by the way, that company back in uh, 2017, it's at 28 bucks right now. Uh, was 40 bucks, you know, five years ago. So that makes sense to me. And it's not something that I would do on a, uh, a big basis, a very small amount. And uh, anyway, let me go to the next one. This one I like, U.S. Steel. U.S. Steel comes up. Price to sales ratio, 0.32. Their profit margins tend to be really skinny. So their price to sales ratios, the average price to sales ratios are pretty low. It's long-term on this one's probably about, oh, maybe twice, two and a half times what it is right now. So that's good. It's selling at a discounted valuation, and the stock is moving very fast. And when I look at it, in 2018, the stock was fifty, close to $50, and it's twenty six ninety one now. The symbol is X on it if you want to you know that too. Uh, and one of the uh, reasons I'm bringing these up is that both of those companies are considered cyclical stocks, and they're considered long-term and now I hear the music, which means my show is short-term. <laughs> anyway, this is Bill Bullington. I'm uh, so glad you are able to listen today. Feel free to reach out to me if you want to. My website's BullingtonCapital.com. Have a good weekend, everybody. Good luck and good investing. just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.